Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. It's great to see all of you here this morning. My name is Pastor David. I'm the associate pastor here at West Hill. Um, I am up here because PA and Lisa got to get away for a little bit, so it's good for them to, to be out of town and get to watch their children and have some fun with them. I get to be up here and preach, which is a, a big blessing. Uh, we continue to go through our series, The Fruit of the Spirit, which is in Galatians. If you want to go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23, that would be great. Um, today we land on faithfulness. As we talk about faithfulness, uh, everyone has their way of, of memorizing the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't know why, I'm going to play you a song. Not me personally, but I'm going to play you a song, and I don't know why this hasn't become our theme song for this whole series. I don't know why Andrew isn't up here playing this song every single week. It is one of the most worshipful songs you could ever listen to. If you know me, you know I'm half joking, but... um, This is a good song. We We play it for Awana. Weekly, almost weekly, we did for a couple of years ago, and I brought it back recently because we're doing the series on the fruit of the Spirit. So, here is this wonderful, worshipful song. This is how I memorized it. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. Fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. You can sing it if you know it. You might as well hear it, you can't be a fruit of the spirit Cause the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control oh, We'll do one more time of the spirit's not a banana The fruit of the spirit's not a banana You wanna be a banana? You might as well hear it, you can't be a fruit of the spirit Cause the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control all right. <laughs> she feel much closer to God now. <laughs> it is. It really is a great song. That is really how I memorize the fruit of the spirit. So now, when I am asked to repeat it or try to figure out what the fruit of the spirit are, I actually have to sing that song in my head to get through them. Um, songs are a great way to memorize. They really are. And the kids definitely know the fruit of the Spirit in Awana because they've memorized that song. They even have their little dance moves if you saw some of them doing that. Um, It's a really great thing. Uh, The song is fun. It even gets weirder than that as you go and and listen to it. But it's a fun way of doing it. Uh, We're going to continue with Pastor Aaron's pattern of looking these words up in Webster's Dictionary. And we have faithfulness, which will be up on there. Faithfulness means... Fidelity, loyalty, firm adherence to allegiance and duty as the faithfulness of a subject. It also means truth, veracity, as the faithfulness of God. Strict adherence to injunctions and to the duties of a station as the faithfulness of servants or ministers. Strict performance of promises, vows, or covenants constancy of affection, and the faithfulness of a husband or wife. 
So that is the meaning of faithfulness. We'll get into some of that as we as we dig a little deeper. Um, I skipped the verse, but let's go ahead and read the verse. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's go ahead and pray before we dig into all this. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. Thank you for uh, your word. And as we dig into it, Lord, we just ask for your help. Lord, we can't do this without you. Uh, we want it to be pleasing to you today as we continue to worship uh, by studying your word together. And we just pray that it would be your word and not mine. And that we would learn, learn a lot from this today and be able to take it home and be able to apply it to our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the Greek word for faithfulness here is pistis, which is also used for the word faith. Faithfulness is the quality of being faithful. Faithfulness here is the manifestation of being loyal and trustworthy. As we look at this characteristic, um, as we mentioned in the Bible today, I want us to look at the faithfulness of God. I want us to look at the faithfulness of Jesus and then also look how that works into the faithfulness of man. And, and we have examples of that throughout scripture as well. Um, as believers, it's this faithfulness that we should be able to uh, show that should be displayed through us as we live our lives for Christ. Um, we, because of that, we have the faithfulness of man and allows us to dig into that because of what's happening in our relationship with God. Uh, you may already be thinking of stories about faithfulness. Uh, there are a ton of them. It was very, very hard to take this topic of faithfulness and narrow it down into this short time. As you can see, there's tons of songs that we could have sang about faithfulness. Uh, I love the ones that we sang today. This it encompasses this whole worship today of, of us being here together as we talk about faithfulness. It's pretty awesome to have all that um, all the things that people have written about and what we have in God's word. Uh, so faithfulness of God. We literally would be here forever if I found and read all the scriptures of the faithfulness of God. Uh, it's not just the scripture that mentions the word faithfulness. It is the idea, the concept, the example of God showing his faithfulness to, to others. Showing that he's faithful, showing his promises and his covenants that he keeps them all the time. Uh, so the first section I want to go to, we're going to fly through the verses because of how much I have, and I don't want to keep you too long. You can try to follow them, but most of them are going to be up on the screen. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 7.9. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So God is the faithful God. Why? Because he keeps his covenant and his steadfast love with those who love him and reciprocate what he is showing us. The faithfulness of God is unequal. It's unwavering. It is unending. God is loyal and keeps his promises. He keeps all his promises. His, faithful also, his faithfulness also stirs up and encourages us to follow him and to be faithful as well. Another verse is Lamentations 3, 21 through, through 23. Uh, many of you 
may know this one from a song that you've already heard today. It talks about the faithfulness of God. Verse 21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Or as we hear it in our heads, great is thy faithfulness. Uh, the writer here, who many believe to be Jeremiah, starts off the first 20 verses of this poetry describing many horrible things that are happening to him. And he's describing Israel as a nation as well. For example, in verse 4, you don't have these. He, is, he has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. Verses 13 through 15. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become a laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with warm wormwood. So Jeremiah here is lamenting. He is sharing his sorrow and his anguish that he and the nation of Israel are going through at the time. But then he turns it around, right in the middle of the verse or of the chapter in verse 21, with the word but. It means we're changing, changing directions here. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There is hope in God. If you've ever heard of this man, Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, I don't know how to pronounce his name, believed this as he wrote the famous hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He believed in the hope of God. I have this wonderful book here from Pastor Aaron. It goes over hymns of the faith and gives a little bit of their history. And I just got a couple of paragraphs in here. It talks about this writer and it allows us to see where they're coming from when they write these, these stories, these hymns, these poems that turn into songs. Uh, gives you an idea of where they're at. And one of the things that's mentioned later on is with Thomas, it was not some huge life-changing event that caused him to write Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let me read it before I explain it all. The author of this hymn, Thomas Chisholm, was born in a log cabin in Kentucky. At age 16, he began teaching school, despite the youthfulness of his own education. He came to Christ at the age 27 under the ministry of evangelist H.C. Morrison. But Thomas's health was unstable, and he alternated between bouts of illness and gainful employment in which he did everything from journalism to insurance to evangelist at work. Through all the ups and downs, he discovered new blessings from God every morning. The third chapter of Lamentations 3 became precious to him. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thomas later admitted that there was no dramatic story behind the writing of Great is Thy Faithfulness. While serving the Lord in Vinland, New Jersey, Thomas sent several poems to his friend, musician William Runyon, who was also so moved by this one that he prayed earnestly for special guidance in composing the music. Runyon was in Baldwin, Kansas at the time, and the hymn was published in 1923 in Runyon's private song pamphlets. So we often think about these hymns, again, as being some huge event that affects them, but the book says that it wasn't. 
For Thomas, it was illness, it was hardships in life that caused him to remember what scripture says about God. And as we continue to read about some of the scripture and we continue to talk about some of these things, it doesn't have to be that huge event that happens in your life that causes you to remember God's faithfulness. It can be the things that we consider small things, the smaller troubles that can remind us of God's faithfulness. The song became popular after that once uh, Moody, the church began to sing that song kind of as their unofficial theme song almost every week. And from there it grew and became more popular. And that's how we come to know the song and sing the song ourselves. Great is thy faithfulness. Um, but again, it is something that is mentioned throughout scripture when we talk about faithfulness. God's word is one example after another of his faithfulness. Um, it reminds us of the hope in him. That his love and mercies never end. And you think about us, how many times do we need reminded of that? How many times do we feel that all is lost and the, the day, the stinking day can't get any worse? Sometimes we feel like that. How many times do we think that we're alone? How many times do we feel like everyone is against us? And again, whether your sorrow is great or small, we can go back to scripture we can go back to God's word and who he is and remember, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We can find more of God's faithfulness in Psalm 86, 14 through 16. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God of merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. So again, the faithfulness of God allows us to turn to him and to seek his strength and to gain strength from that. When we read the stories of what others went through in scripture, we are able to see the whole picture and see how faithful God really is. And not that we doubt uh, who he says he is, but we can appreciate and see, all, see the real life examples of God and how he is perfectly loyal and trustworthy. And we only hit a few verses, which leads us to the faithfulness of Jesus now. And we don't have time to go into every single scripture of the faithfulness of Jesus um, but it definitely talks about him being faithful, and we'll hit a few. We're going to go start in the Old Testament, though, from Isaiah 11:5. We have uh, one of the prophets spoke about the Messiah who is coming, who was faithful. And now this Isaiah 11:5 says, "Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins." So the Hebrew word here for faithfulness also means steadfastness trustworthiness, and honesty. The prophet is speaking about the coming Messiah and the end times. This also can relate to how we as followers of Christ are supposed to clothe ourselves against the enemy with the armor of God. Ephesians 6.14, we are called to put on the belt of what? Close. The belt of truth. Going back to end times, though, the prophecy and Messiah, it also leads us to Revelation 19.11. It continues with this, this idea, this theme. 
Revelation 19.11, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Jesus is described in Revelation 1.5, 3.7, and 3.14 as being faithful and true. He's given those characteristics like God, as we read about God. Here, however, is a little different. Jesus is given the titles and called faithful and true as if they were names of his. And this is pretty important. It's huge when it comes to your title or your name when it comes to the Bible times and what you were called. Uh, we see how important that is to God and Jesus throughout Scripture because there are times where it actually changed people's names, depending on what they wanted them to mean and how that impacted later on down the road. So changing names and names were a huge, huge importance and meaning. Uh, my name, David, means beloved one. I was not given, as far as I know, that name because my parents knew I was going to be beloved. That's not how it worked. All right. Sometimes I can be beloved, but I was given that name because it is my dad's middle name. All right. So when I come in the room, people don't look at me and say, look, there he is. Pastor David, the beloved one. We are honored to be in his presence as he preaches today. No, not at all. I would probably be strike dead here right now. Jesus is called faithful and true. He is what God gives evidence through scriptures and what Jesus shows as well. The reason I read through verse 13 is to show you and give you confidence in what God's word says and that the one they are referring to is called the word of God. Which is awesome because it refers to other parts of scripture. We go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, now back into the, the epistles and the letters, and we see, or back to the, um, oh my goodness. Brain fart. I said epistles and letters. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the gospels. There we go. <laughs> Glad one of your pastors knows that, huh? We read about it in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you skip to John 1.17, after John is still talking about the Word and who the Word is, he directly states Jesus Christ and says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we see the Word here. We see the word truth again as well, paired with faithfulness when referring to Christ. Jesus is faithful and true. So how is Jesus faithful and true? Here we see what Jesus is being called, but how is he faithful and true? Well, there is one way that Jesus is faithful and true. There's many ways, but there's one way that affects us immensely that we don't deserve. And one of those things we read about is in Hebrews 3, 1 through 2, which should be up on the screen. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in heavenly calling, Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful, faithful in all of God's house. So we have the writer of Hebrews is writing in the section comparing Jesus to Moses, showing the Jewish believers 
of the importance of Jesus Christ and how much more important he is than that of Moses and how much more faithful Jesus is than that of Moses because Moses was also faithful to God. Uh, we don't have time to dig super deep into that. Uh, but how faithful was Jesus? He was faithful. He was faithful to him who appointed him. And what was that? He was faithful to be obedient to the point of death on the cross. So think about that for a moment. The faithfulness of Jesus to God, the one who appointed him, saved us from our sin. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and yet he was still faithful to do it because of his love for us. This will also be up on there, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, where I'm getting this from. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Praise God for his faithfulness, because without it we would have no hope. It is only through Christ's sacrifice that we are saved and able to have a relationship with God and spend eternity with God and not eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. Question is, do you believe that? Do you have a relationship with God? There is nothing you need to do to earn this gift. Just receive it. We have talked about the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of Jesus. And we have this amazing example of the faithfulness of Jesus as he died on the cross for our sins. Again, if you don't believe that or you're being challenged with that today, I just ask you to consider, consider it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and let God speak to you about that. Faithfulness of man and how it applies to us. It is only because of the faithfulness of God in Christ that we are even able to display the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit and therefore it comes from the Spirit through a relationship with Christ like we just talked about. The Bible is full of examples, one after another, of the faithfulness of those who follow God. Uh, one that definitely stands out, that many of you may have thought of already, is Noah. In Genesis 6, tells of his faithfulness to God. Noah was loyal and true to God. Noah was told by God to build an ark. Something that was never done or seen. He was told to prepare for a global flood, something that had never been seen or experienced yet. And yet he was probably mocked for it the whole time because when you obey God and not the world, that is a result. But in all of that, Noah was faithful. He trusted God. And why? Because he had a relationship and he was faithful to him. Noah believed God at his word. Not because he had a Bible, that wasn't there for Noah. He had stories of those before him. He had stories of Adam and Eve and of God and those things passed down to him. He had his relationship with God. And Noah acted in obedience, trusting God would be with him as he built the ark. 
That is one of the big stories. No, I didn't read through all of scripture with it. Uh, one of the big examples that we have of faithfulness to God. But Noah was not perfect. And I think as we read through some of these, we need to remember that those before us, that we see that we're faithful in large times and huge times and big stories that we're like, oh, wow, look at their faithfulness. They were not perfect at all. Uh, I want to do some smaller people that aren't talked about as much. I always like doing that. We always have stories that we, we think about a lot. So I want to dig into some scripture that are people that we don't always hear about. So Nehemiah chapter 7. Nehemiah is ready to appoint some in charge over Jerusalem. And he lists some qualifications and mentions some people that he is going to put in charge. And so Nehemiah chapter 7 says, Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was more faithful and God-fearing and God-fearing man than many. That's all we have of this. But here's what, here's what we can grab from it, though. It wasn't his speech, the speech of this man that got him the position. It wasn't how much money he had. No one was going to bribe Nehemiah. It wasn't who he knew. A lot of times we, we like to have our people that we know and that gets us into things. It wasn't that. It was the fact that he was more faithful and God-fearing than many. That is what stood him out amongst everyone else. Something to think about ourselves. Again, how does this apply to us? Ephesians 6:21 through 22 talks of another man that we don't that we rarely even talk about unless we're reading through this section at the end of Ephesians. Paul writes about Tychicus and says in verse 21 so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing Tychicus the my the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So Paul mentions him as someone who is a faithful minister, which literally means faithful servant in the Greek of the Lord. Tychicus was entrusted by Paul to give further encouragement in addition to the letter that he would be bringing them. So it was his faithfulness to Christ that was evident to Paul and others around him. That is what stood out. That is what was important to Paul for this job. Uh, Tychicus is also mentioned a couple of times in Acts um, as he is also asked to fulfill other tasks and jobs as well. And there's more. There's more other people that you can look at that have the word faithfulness involved with it. There's no more people that you can see their faithfulness as they serve God. Uh, but again, as, as we finish up here soon, how does that apply to us? How does that affect us? How do we as believers today have and display faithfulness? And as I was doing this study, I came across Answers in Genesis, probably when I typed in Noah or something, is my guess. Um, I don't remember where I got this from, but this, this is from them. It stood out to me. How do, how do we know when we display faithfulness to God? Because there is no special formula that helps us with this, but this does give us an idea. So how do we know when we display faithfulness to God? It starts off by trusting in God. First one is trusting in God. 
The second is believing in his word. And then the third is acting in obedience. So again, trusting in God, believing in his word, and acting in obedience. I'm not perfect. I strive to be, I strive to be faithful. Not even close to perfection, though. Uh, one of the times that I can look back and think that I was faithful is when I followed the call to ministry. Uh, I was three and a half years into computer science at the University of Akron. Uh, many of you know this, this story, but we have a lot of new people now, so you don't know a ton about me because I'm not up here preaching as much as Pastor Aaron is. But uh, I was in computer science for three and a half years in computer, or at University of Akron. I was not going to graduate at year four. So don't think that, well, I mean, I still spent three and a half years though in computer science. Um, at, at that point, Pastor Aaron had constantly been, you know, Pastor Aaron, nudging me saying, hey, David, you and, you and Emily would be a great pastor and pastor's wife, youth pastor, youth, youth pastor's wife. From the moment we graduated, because um, Emily and I were already hooked together at that point. Uh, we weren't engaged, but we knew we were going to get married, Lord willing. Um, and so it's, that was constantly in my head. Uh, when, I, when we did get engaged finally, um, and I ended up going to Emily's church and Pastor Ed's church at the time over at First Baptist Church of Akron, uh, still involved with helping out with the teens over there, involved in ministry over there, and just excited to be around youth. And that was constantly in my life. And it was constantly on my mind, is that what I should be doing? God, is that what you want me to do? I'm three and a half years now into computer science. I'm about to get married. Do you really want me to switch from making this much to this much? <laughs> God's like, oh, don't worry. Emily will take care of you. She'll be a full-time nurse. <laughs> and she's graduating on time. <laughs> um, so that was the conversations that Emily and I had. Obviously, we talked together about it, being that we were going to be getting married it involved both of us, and, and it also took faithfulness on her part as well as it was affecting the both of us and in going into marriage. And so we decided, I, I decided, all right, God, this is what we're going to do. So I switched schools, uh, going to Malone University down in Canton, and that was one of the things that I wasn't trying to, like, lay out a rug and ask for water on both sides or whatever, different mornings, um, but I said, God, hey, if this is what you want me to do, please, please help me find a school where I don't have to, to live there and go far away or whatever. And Malone was down the street and I was able to drive. I did not know it was there. Found that they had a, a, a major in youth ministry and other ministries. And so I'm like, okay, God, this is what we're going to do. Got confirmation from others as well. That's one of the things they actually ask of you anyways when you go to apply to be a part of that school. Um, Definitely got a confirmation from Pastor Aaron because he was saying it the whole time. Um, but when I went there, I, to be able to be done in two years, because um, I was trying to get done as fast as I could, and two years was the quickest I could do it. I, if I would have stayed one more semester, I just needed one more class to have my minor in computer science from Malone. But I'm like, what, what do I need a title for to get that? I'm like, they're going to... 
And here I am doing tons of computer stuff here at the church anyways because of all that. But now that surpasses me uh, from what I learned back then. But just following God in those steps, trying to be faithful through that process. And then after being at Malone um, and graduating within two years, God provided uh, finances to pay, pay for half of it. I mean, praise the Lord. University of Akron didn't have a men's tennis team. I loved tennis, so I couldn't join there. Well, it turns out Malone had a men's tennis team. Um, I had to get an exception or sign some rule because I was almost too old to play at that point. The, the next year, not the first year, because that was year four, but the next year after that, they had to find some rule with an exception to allow me to play. Um, but I was able to play. That paid for some of my school, which was amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Um, but God allowed me to do some things that I wasn't able to do before and, and uh, enjoy that time and get that studying done and graduate with a, a ministry, uh, youth ministry degree, uh, which was a huge blessing. I interned here at the church. Uh, I was told at Malone, don't count on getting a job. It takes forever. It's hard finding a job. Well, praise the Lord for home churches and, and how the Lord worked things out here. During all that time, the senior pastor uh, followed the Lord's calling into schooling and counseling. That was Pastor Marlette. And then Pastor Aaron was called to be the senior pastor during all that time. And I was able to come and intern here as a youth pastor. And then by the time I was done with school, the church was ready to bring on another full-time associate pastor. And praise the Lord, they asked me and considered me. And, and here we are today. So praise the Lord for faithfulness. And I, I like to think I was faithful during that and, and that's being here, being able to display that to others and, and show that through that testimony that we have of, of Emily and I. And, and like I said, Emily, she took care of me during those two years. So she was working full time while I was going to school full time, which is pretty awesome. The Lord provided when you're faithful, the Lord provides, does he not? Amen. When you're faithful, the Lord provides. So that's just one of the stories. Again, that's one of the major ones in my life. Um, but like I said before, when it applies to us, it doesn't have to be those big stories, those big things. We are able to display and show faithfulness to others around us constantly. Um, it doesn't have to be switching schools uh, or any of that stuff. We are able to display faithfulness um, through our schools, through work, through our friendships. When we follow and are faithful to God, that comes out of us. That faithfulness is displayed out of us and others are able to benefit from that and see that those that are around us. As we, as we are in God's word, as we are following the spirit and, and getting closer in a relationship with God, and allowing the Spirit to work through us, and then in turn having the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us, it again affects those around us and the positions that we are put in and that God has us in. Um, I just want to finish with a quote that I have here from one of the commentaries that I was reading that I thought was really neat. It says, We must remember that this fruit is produced to be eaten, not to be admired and put on display. People around us are starving for love, joy, peace, and all the other graces of the Spirit. When they find them in our lives, they know that we have something they lack. 
We do not bear fruit for our own consumption. We bear fruit that others might be fed and helped and that Christ might be glorified. That's Warren Weirdsby. All this is for God's glory. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for just being able to get into these the fruit of the Spirit each and every week. Lord, I just pray as we continue to go throughout this week, that it wouldn't just be faithfulness that we work on, that it would be all of them. Lord, I pray that we would continue to dig into your word. It starts there, Lord. It starts with a, a relationship with you. We cannot have the fruit of the Spirit without a relationship with you. And from there, it takes trusting you, Lord. And asking and digging into your word on what you want us to do and how we can be faithful. And then from there, it takes obedience. And I pray that we would be obedient with what you have for us. Lord, please continue to work in each one of us. Speak to us, and I pray that we would be open to hear what you have for us. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.